and we're live. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to A Vague Knowledge of Everything. I'm Rosie. I'm Hope. And we have two Virgos here today. Ooh! Our friend Tia is visiting from all over (laughs) (laughs) from everywhere (laughs) from everywhere but uh tia sailed with us in 2016 and 2017 so welcome tia thanks for coming on welcome tia we're doing it a little different this week where tia is going to be uh reacting with me instead of uh (laughs) being the guest the person yeah. to talk about stuff. I mean, you can talk about whatever you want, but yeah, that's true. Usually, when we have other people on, they're the guests. But it just so happened that Tia was visiting, and we decided to include her because this is the thing that we all kind of know about. We've all seen uh, the documentary that Paris Hilton put out, and yeah, it's an interesting topic that I've wanted to do a show on for a while, but it just took me a while to get my notes in order. Nice. So, yeah, so for anyone who, you know, didn't look at the title of the podcast or whatever, this is about, uh, it's it's about, it's sort of tangentially about Paris Hilton. It's about something that she's brought a lot of um, press to in the recent couple of years. Um, and it is the Utah Troubled Teen Industry, that's what I'm going to call it. Um, it is, basically, there's a bunch of residential they're either called schools or uh, rehabilitation centers or whatever that is. Uh, and there's a lot of them in Utah that have been getting a lot of attention recently for some pretty bad stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, in April of 2021, so I'm going to start out by kind of zooming out, talking about the recent uh, legislation, and then we'll zoom in and, and like specifically talk about Paris Hilton. And then we'll talk about other people and like sort of what's going on. Got it. Situation. All right. So in April of 2021, a bill was passed in the Utah legislature that aims to prevent abuse and residential programs for troubled teens. Uh, the bill known as SB 127 dramatically increases reporting and inspection requirements on youth treatment centers. Um, they house teens from all over the U.S. That's pretty important. Uh, It greatly enhances the oversight of these businesses, limits what staffers could do to punish young people and makes them document when they do things like using restraints. Um, It also makes them provide parents with more information. Uh, As for the Salt Lake Tribune, the bill that passed will bolster overnight, sorry, oversight regarding the use of physical restraints and seclusion of students, otherwise known as solitary confinement. Uh, it will require treatment centers to do or to document any instance in which staff use those techniques and submit monthly restraint reports to the Office of Licensing, which is the industry's regulator in Utah. Um, it will also prohibit programs from sedating residents or using mechanical restraints like a straitjacket without the office's prior authorization. I can't so. believe we're having this conversation in the year yeah. 2021. Yeah, I know. I so both of my parents have worked in, uh, like when I was a teenager, we're working in the, they're working in uh, legal areas that involve students being housed uh, and either rehabilitated or they were being punished basically because they had done something wrong. So like my mother was a court clerk in a juvenile court and my dad at some point worked at one of these sort of residential schools not one of these um but one in washington that i don't believe has had any bad reports come out about it um never once did i hear about 
any of this shit having to happen. I did hear about, you know, like some students getting violent and having to be, you know, separated from other kids, but it wasn't like this kind of stuff. It wasn't like solitary confinement for days and days. Um, All of this sounds horrifying to me. I have a classmate who's just always talking about working with youth that uh, are troubled or like require more physical restraints but it's never anything like being put in solitary it's yeah it's what you and I always talk about where it's um harm reduction yeah yeah Re- reducing the harm that they do to yeah. themselves reducing the harm that they would do to other people around them um I mean to to a much lesser degree uh like my sister is um a special ed teacher and she because of the way that the schools are set up the special ed teachers usually also get not just kids with learning disabilities but kids with behavioral issues and so sometimes they do have situations where those kids need to be separated or they need to be you know stopped from hitting other kids or whatever it is that they're doing right um so there's a lot of this that has to happen um just because like not everyone's okay some people have have issues that lead them to be violent uh, but the way that this stuff is being uh, dealt with in these Utah treatment centers or quote-unquote treatment centers uh, is not good mm-hmm. so um so a question that I had when I was um sort of looking into this was why Utah uh which I think is a good place to start Um, Because Utah is home to almost 100 youth residential treatment centers, which seems like a lot. That's a lot for a state that doesn't have a lot of people. (laughs) I know. Uh, And that's, and the thing is that they're, they're not people who are from Utah primarily who are getting sent there. It's, I mean, of course there are kids from Utah going, but there are kids from all over the U S and even some places out like some like U S territories outside the continental U.S. So there's like, there's kids from everywhere going to these places. Uh, they're sent there for a variety of reasons, including but not limited to criminal activity, excessive rule breaking, rule breaking, and out of control behavior at home, uh, mental illnesses such as depression and anxiety that their family can't deal with. Um, also, foster kids are sent to these places when no one else will take them. Oh my God, no! I know that's that's one of the things that really hit me about this. Ah. Is, yeah, you could get sent there just because people don't like to take in teenage foster kids, which is a horrible reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, like when people are looking to foster children, they they usually are looking to foster as young as possible because it's like. I guess they think it's like, oh, it's before they could be messed up, even though a lot of the teenagers who end up getting, for lack of a better term, messed up are are that way because they've been taken advantage of by bad foster situations. Here we are at a hard, hard turn already. This is this is where the argument about abortion comes in, because these kids have terrible lives because nobody wanted them. And. If you know you're not going to be able to take care of another human being, don't have the kid. Yeah. And then on the flip side of that, also, like, if you're not going to support abortion, you need to support, yeah, you need to support social programs that will help these kids once they're outside the womb. Yep. Which, yeah. So, like, a lot of these kids that are getting sent there are sort of victims of a bad system to begin with. Yeah. 
so there are a few reasons that Utah is an attractive place for these treatment facilities to exist. I'm not really sold on some of them, though. <laughs> like the way that they, the way that it's brought up in a lot of uh, a lot of the articles that I've read, they kind of gloss over stuff. But the more I think about them, the more they don't really make sense. So <laughs> one such reason uh, that they have all these centers in Utah is because of the wholesome reputation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, colloquial known, colloquially known as the Mormon Church. Mm. So while Mormons do definitely live in other areas of the country, there is a really high concentration of this particular religious group in Utah. However, all these things considered, I don't see how the concentration of this specific religion in that area would affect the treatment centers that much. Like there might be Mormons working at some um, or like, okay, there, there might be Mormons working in the centers, but in general, these places can't be religious institutions because they take government money uh, oh. because uh, like a significant portion of the kids going there, like some of them are paid for privately. Some of them are covered by Medicaid. So oh my God. if you have students who are being sent to these places who are covered by Medicaid and this government-funded program is paying for them, then they don't have a religious connection because you can't do that. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not a thing. So I don't understand how people say, like, oh, it's a good place to send people because there's Mormons there because the Mormonism doesn't affect the treatment centers. Right. Um, and also, there's an argument to be made that it wouldn't really be good for them if they did. That depends on which particular group of Mormons it is, how they interpret their religion, all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to get super deep into that because I'm not the best source of information for that. <laughs> but there's definitely people who would out there who would feel that Mormons aren't necessarily any better than any other Christians. And yeah. Do you know that the author <laughs> of Twilight is a Mormon? That's why that's probably why she waits. I didn't know that. But oh makes sense. Yeah. That's why Bella's so horned up because <laughs> she's gotta wait till marriage. Because Edward makes her because the author's Mormon. That makes sense. She's like, please can we do it? And he's like, No, I'm a gentleman. But like also I'm created that's not by a Mormon. <laughs> I didn't read that far into the series. A gentleman. <laughs> does what the lady asks not what he assumes is right for her that's, that's <laughs> although true. although men men should also not be pressured into sex I, that, that should any be. person yeah any person ladies ladies gentlemen oh. and gentlemen we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later too because there's uh there's some that, that'll be when we talk about Paris Hilton because th there's some issues that I think that we should talk about we should do um, regarding the way that she has been treated <laughs> Yes. So we digress. Okay. Uh, another reason there's so many centers in Utah is that people believe when students are sent there, they'll get a lot of time spent in nature. There's a lot of beautiful public land there. And while I do think that that can be really healing, like at least for some people, like, you know, not for everyone, but, you know, for some people that can be really good. Um, it does not seem like that's a very strong line of reasoning because a lot of the reports that people are giving or that they're not seeing the outside when they go to these places. So also nature only goes so far when you're getting abuse. Like, yeah, it's not going to heal you. 
Yeah, and, and also like like nature is great, but it, but if no one's like making the connection between like what you're doing in nature and healing yourself of whatever trauma led you there to begin with, then it's kind of a moot point. I yeah. Yeah. Like just spending time in nature, that's great. But if you're already troubled for whatever reason, it's not necessarily going to change things. Right. So anyway, um, <laughs> so these reasons I find kind of shaky and I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, but it does kind of bring up the question, well, still, why does Utah have so many centers? Um, personally, I think it comes down to regulation or lack thereof. Um, any activity that has uneven regulation from state to state is bound to crop up in the states that regulate less. And it does seem like Utah is one of those states. The oversight of the youth residential treatment centers was pretty lacking. Um, and that seems to have led to a boom in the, quote, troubled teen industry, unquote, in Utah. Um, and to keep these businesses booming, it seemed like the centers did whatever it took to get results, even if that was abusive. Um, so yeah, uh, if, if kids are being good kid, being like what you think is a good kid out of fear of what's going to happen to them in the place or out of fear that they're going to be sent back, that's not actual rehabilitation. This is further damaging. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's just silencing kids and forcing them to do what you want them to do without any actual healing. That's obedience. Yeah. And abuse. So, yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Anyway, so, all right. Uh, so, where does pa uh, Paris Hilton factor into all of this? Can, uh, I, in the hmm? can I ask real quick? Because we're all different ages. So, I just want to like check in before we get into Paris Hilton about how you saw Paris Hilton growing up and then like how it's different now. Let's let yeah, let's let the guest start first. So you use a background <laughs> about like your age. I'm like Real I'm quick. also the youngest. <laughs> I'm 22. Mm -hmm. And growing up, I always saw Paris Hilton with the same group of people of like Kim Kardashian and the kind of by proxy entrepreneur. Yeah. Like they were all a part of that like air system. And um, so I just always saw them as like the it girls in the industry. And, um, and that's pretty much all like they were just known as the party girls too. And then upon after this, watching this documentary and like seeing also her friends that she grew up with and hearing all of their stories, it was kind of like the Hollywood industry during that time period, the toxicity of it kind of like all came to light. Yeah. And how, like, everything was related on, like, outward perfectionism. And, like, that's all that mattered. Yeah. Kim Kardashian was mm -hmm. her assistant. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And their whole show, like, her and I think her sister's name is Nikki. Yeah. Is, and their whole show that they did where they would, like, I think they lived on a farm. No, that was Simple Life with oh. Nicole Richie. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I what? so I'm 29. So Rosie, I don't know if like, this is a thing for you, but it was like their body types were the gold standard mm -hmm. at that time. So it was mm -hmm. like the, the thin, like it's, it's called like heroin body, but that's 
really yeah it was like the heroin chic the kate moss like waifish right. thin model time period the like anorexic look mm-hmm. like that's what i remember about paris hilton and like she was kind of ditzy she was just kind of famous for being famous she didn't yeah. really do a whole lot and she had those her eyes are green she put in blue contacts that whole time if you watch really? the dog, like her, if you watch the dog, her eyes are green. She wore blue contacts that whole time, which I was like, I'm looking at a different person. Yeah. And I, the documentary gef- definitely gave me a new respect for her as mm-hmm. a lady and also for her sister, who's just like absolutely no nonsense, like will yeah. not take anybody's shit. And I was like, this character resonates with me so much. <laughs> they both kind of did build their own empires in their own way like kind of behind the scenes yeah she definitely put she built an empire on a persona though mm-hmm. like that wasn't her now i think she's trying to undo that mm-hmm. yeah what about you Rose? yeah i am um, so i'm 33 um so i am actually i'm seven years younger than paris hilton is which means that when she was at her like party girl uh the height of her party girl sort of persona i was the sort of tween and then early teen who was getting a lot like getting inundated really with pictures and interviews and like all kinds of media about Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie and about all of those people who were kind of in that group so I do feel like I got I, I felt like at least to my particular age group they were overexposed like that yes. group of uh <laughs> of of women and i think it definitely gave people of my age group this feeling that they were like disposable in some way like oh they're just there to be they're there to be ornaments they're there to you know amuse us and you know whatever it is but they're not really people to be taken seriously yeah which that's what is really damaging to them right my mom (laughs) kind of instilled that in us too that like disposable is a good word and just like raising us to not be like that for whatever mm-hmm. reason also because we were like you know we didn't have money so like there was no way we could yeah <laughs> live like Paris Hilton but yeah <laughs> and I was like you and I were talking about this the other day but with the body image stuff like the way that we're built there's no way we could ever look like that oh yeah tried our absolute hardest we'd have yeah. to be like on the very brink of death to get like to be lost at sea and even then <laughs> i still think, have like broad shoulders i know i was yeah. ready, like, you need to lift that you know like that's not that's just never that was never going to be the body type we could have ever in our lives and they're like this is the ideal body type and i was like that's nice i can't yeah. i'm never gonna do that yeah i, I mean like I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, if Paris Hilton wanted to dress up as Barbie for Halloween, she probably wouldn't have to like do anything much really. Like she, like, because she basically looks like Barbie in real life, Um, which isn't her fault. I honestly think that like, like that's her body type. It doesn't seem like she's actually like, it doesn't seem like she's restricting to try to keep herself that way. There might have been a time that she was, but yeah. That's what uh, she looks like. Yeah. But it, 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 her body type wasn't the problem. It was that the media was portraying it as yeah. this is the, the fact that body types can be trendy or like be a fad is fucked up. 
It is fucked up. Like you, you want me yeah. to change my body every 10 years. It's going to do that anyway on its own without you telling me that it's a bad idea to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are definitely styles that were fashionable that looked the best on people like Paris Hilton. Like low cut like, jeans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, is that period of time where you want to have the longest torso possible. You wear the crop top and then the super low cut jeans. So you just have yes. like a lot of bare like, torso. <laughs> hip bones were part of the look. Yeah. yeah. Just the fact that your hip bones would be jutting out. And then now it seems like the answer to that is bigger. Like everybody wants to be bigger, yeah. like big butt, big boobs. But back then it was like, if you have. Oh, but not a big stomach. No, Never big stomach. No, right. And Ugh. also like no double chin. Like you, could, you still need a jawline yeah. in that somehow. And I'm like, I, no, that's not how bodies work. I can't keep up <laughs> with this. And it's, I just think it's interesting that that's the answer to it. Like 20 years later that we're like trying to, everybody's doing squat workouts and like glute workouts and like trying to be like curvy and big and muscular. And I'm just wondering if like, we're going to go back to that again in like 20 years. I hope not. But hopefully maybe uh, body types will not be trends anymore. We can just accept people for how they look. That would be nice. Okay. All right. Anyway. So yeah. So anyway, so going back to the residential schools in Utah or residential treatment centers, um, In the 1990s, Paris Hilton spent time in three of these facilities uh, when she was a teenager, including nearly a year, I think it was 11 months, at Provo Canyon School, where she said she was verbally, mentally, and physically abused on a daily basis when she was 16. So here are some quotes in her own words of what was happening to her. Uh, She said, for the past 20, and some of these are from This is Paris, I believe, um, But for the past 20 years, I've had a recurring nightmare where I'm kidnapped in the middle of the night by two strangers, strip searched and locked in a facility. I wish I could tell you that this haunting nightmare was just a dream, but it is not. When I was 16, two transporters woke me up in the middle of the night with handcuffs. They asked me if I wanted to go the easy way or the hard way. They carried me out of my home as I screamed at the top of my lungs for my parents' help. Um, And she does talk about in This is Paris that she thought she was being kidnapped, which honestly as as the child of a very rich family that's not unreasonable to think right like that's that's a thing that's happened and the elizabeth smart stuff was happening around then too right where she got napped from her home yeah so it's it it was not unreasonable for her to think that and for her parents to for her parents to just stand by and watch and say yeah like that's that's messed up guys come on Uh, So at Provo Canyon School, Hilton said that she didn't breathe fresh air or see sunlight for 11 months. So that kind of debunks that outdoors thing um, and was forced to consume medication that made her feel numb and exhausted. Um, At least once she was put into solitary confinement for no reason. Uh, One day in isolation felt like a week. The small room covered in scratch marks and smeared blood with no bathroom is one of the most vivid and traumatizing memories I have ever experienced in my entire life. She says that the staff of the facility were evil and sadistic and seemed to enjoy their power in being able to abuse children. Uh, She recalled regularly seeing children being beaten, restrained, thrown at walls, strangled, and even sexually abused. There was zero privacy. Every time I would, (coughs) sorry, every time I would use the bathroom or take a shower, it was monitored. At 16 years old, as a child, I felt their piercing eyes staring at my naked body. I was just a kid and felt violated every single day. This um, Hilton, makes me feel like sick to my stomach. I know it really does. Um, and she also says that communication with her family members was censored. So she couldn't report what was happening. 
So, um, so that this is really, really fucked up. Um, at this point, I want to address what some people always seem to say in these situations when people come out years later and talk about this kind of abuse and trauma. Um, there's always someone who's saying, well, why didn't they talk about it earlier? Like, there's always someone saying that. Um, and I haven't seen huge amounts of that, but I'm sure it's happening. I'm sure it's going to happen more. Uh, and I think there's a very specific thing I can point to in Paris Hilton's case that will show you exactly why she probably didn't believe anyone would care. Um, and that is the reaction to the sex tape coming out with her. Uh, do you guys remember the sex tape? <laughs> with I Paris mean, Hilton? like, do you? I remember the when Kim K's came out. More. Yeah, it was that was again was that was like bad. Yeah, everybody's sex tape was coming out. Yeah, like it, it was like all part of the same news cycle where it was like I think Pamela Anderson and Tommy, mm-hmm. whatever his name is, mm-hmm. that one was coming out. Anna Nicole Smith was really big at that time. And she had yeah. a sex tape coming out. I think Kim Kardashian, like it was just like, I remember hearing about sex tapes as like a 12 yeah. year old. Yeah. Sex tapes were definitely, yeah, they were, they were a thing. Uh, it, I don't understand why, but they were a thing. Um, Paris Hilton's sex tape. When I think back on this and uh, when I've read about it recently, it really bothers me the story because so here's, here's what happened. So it, it came out in, 2004 so it would have been when she was 23 um so uh she's fairly young um as she talks about it now she says that she felt coerced into doing it by her boyfriend at the time rick salman um who's a trash bag um (laughs) because who would coerce someone into making a sex tape um he was also over 10 years older than her which when you're younger is a little it i it feels age, di- age differences can be okay, but sometimes they can't be. And it just depends on where you are at that time. And this was her after like a couple years after being traumatized and abused and being, having that uh, being allowed to happen by her parents. So how many people does she think she can trust? You know, maybe this guy was one of them and she wanted to hold on to him. And so she made this sex tape with him. However, she did not consent to it being released to anyone ever at any time. So the sex tape was made when she was 20 years old in 2001. Um, Three years later, basically as like revenge, uh, her boyfriend put it out. Like it was, it was revenge porn. It wasn't, it wasn't something where she was making money off of like her choices. Uh, It was something like, yeah, it's just, she's being exploited. Yeah, she was being exploited for money by someone who she had loved and trusted uh, after their relationship ended. And the way that it was received was as a joke, basically. It was late night hosts were making jokes about it. People were basically treating her like she had brought it on herself or that it didn't matter or that she deserved it for whatever reason and nobody deserves that and it's really like thinking about it now i'm like if that happened to someone now even with someone who i don't really like think about or (laughs) care about or whatever like some celebrity and i i can't even think of names because i don't know that many celebrities (laughs) who are (laughs) 
super yeah like if that happened to Florence Pugh like <laughs> or whatever like I would be super upset if that happened to really any celebrity out there who Olivia like Rodrigo. it happened without their consent yeah. yeah like that that would be horrifying but for whatever reason it wasn't with Paris Hilton and I think it was because of the sort of ditzy persona and the fact that people didn't take her seriously and the fact that she had so much money which like money doesn't make you not traumatized right but anyway, um, the so, reason I'm bringing this up is because I feel like, I'll let you talk in a second, sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> is because I feel like after that experience having happened, why would you ever think that anyone would take any of your pain seriously? Right. Like your pain was treated like it was a joke, like it didn't matter. And like you were, you know, stupid for doing it or something like that. So why would you ever think that you talking about something that happened to you when you were a teenager would have any kind of impact on anyone and would be treated as anything other than a joke especially when she's got a traumatized brain that's still developing yeah like of course not of course like your brain's not done developing i think till you're 25 or something Mm -hmm. so yeah that's not so i have two things about that so in the documentary we hear her talking about david letterman Mm-hmm. And how he just didn't listen, would mm-hmm. only talk about the sex tape. And what I'm learning, because I listen to a fair amount of comedians, is that David Letterman is great if you're a guy. And he's the worst if you're a lady. He's just, like, not yeah, not good with women in any capacity. And... Fuck, what's the other thing? Oh, okay. On a little bit of a lighter note, but did you see Kim Kardashian hosted SNL this weekend? I saw. I didn't see it, but I saw. <laughs> and the monologue did. she delivered. No, <laughs> I, I, I saw the everyone. monologue. Roasted her sisters. Roasted like her past boyfriends, like uh, uh, Caitlyn Jenner. She was like, she said, I'm not the reason that she broke up with Kanye was because of his personality. <laughs> right. She like, was like, I can't run for president. We can't have three failed politicians in the family. Yeah, and then she said something like. It's kind of weird that I'm here. I'm not really doing a movie premiere or anything. But to be fair, the only movie I was in, I didn't know it was happening either. So talking about her sex tape. And I was just like, I've never respected you until this moment. That's (laughs) crazy. Yeah. I want to go watch it. And also she kissed Pete Davidson as Jasmine and Aladdin in a skit. So like, also she looked beautiful. So uh, yeah, Kim Kardashian, it sounds like is also kind of taking back the narrative with her yeah well. it that seems like that's happening with a lot of people who were like sort of publicly exploited like particularly like women who were young women when they were exploited like britney spears like kesha oh my God. like all these people who are amanda Bynes. yeah yeah that, that that's why the david letter thing is important because it's we're only getting celebrity interviews from people who are being misogynistic that's our only information about them so if yeah. he's only asking her about the sex tape, if he's only asking like Jennifer Lawrence about her boobs or Jessica Simpson about whatever the fuck, then like we're not going to know anything else. And that wasn't a time when like Twitter or Instagram or anything like that mm-hmm. existed where they had like a platform to speak for themselves. Granted, like Britney didn't because of the conservatorship, but like we know about yeah. that now. So it was a really different time for, and it was it felt like this was a time when like celebrity pop culture really like cranked up like tabloids were a big thing and yeah we all really cared about oh my God, the tabloids what everybody in la was doing mm-hmm. and they would come out with the ones where it's like yeah. 
best and worst beach bodies and like best bodies before and after baby yeah. and all this stuff. And it's like, can you like there even I saw a picture where it was they're even still doing those this year. Like the top 10 best and worst beach bodies of 2021. Who gives a fuck? Ugh. Like or whenever like Heidi Klum, I, wasn't this whenever Heidi Klum like saved her assistant from drowning and like her boob popped out and that's all anybody cared about? But she like also saved somebody's life. Oh, that's fucked up. I, fucked I didn't know up. about that one. You didn't? Oh yeah, that was a big thing. They're like, Heidi Klum has a nip slip while she's saving her assistant from drowning in the ocean. And you look at the picture, yeah. she is not concerned about her boobs at all. Because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, you wouldn't you're be. dying. So like, Anyway. Yeah, people people care about the wrong things when it comes to celebrity. They don't see celebrities as people. Right. So, so yeah. So that is how Paris Hilton is related to this whole thing. Um, she has been using her platform in order to sort of push up other people's stories and voices so that we can learn more about these places in Utah and, and it's not just in Utah. They're just concentrated in Utah. Um, but now we're going to talk about some other stories um, get, getting away from Paris Hilton because it wasn't just her. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk about some of the other ones. Um, so Provo Canyon school has several, uh, sorry, it has a boys campus and a girls campus. Um, it opened its first facility for boys in 1971 and got into legal trouble just a few years later Two teens sent there by their home state's juvenile system ran away, one from Alaska, the other from Nevada. They sought protection from the federal courts. They filed a lawsuit against the original owners, Jack Williams and Robert Christ, challenging the school's education, treatment, and confinement methods. Um, Jurors returned a verdict favoring Provo Canyon School, um, but a federal judge issued a permanent injunction banning the school from using polygraph tests on boys, opening and reading their mail, and using isolation for any reason other than to contain a boy who was violent, uh, and prohibited physical force from being used to restrain a boy unless he was in immediate danger to himself or others, which it doesn't sound like they abided by. Um, (laughs) In 1986... Charter Behavioral Health Systems bought the original Provo ca- campus. It's gone through a couple different owners, but it doesn't seem like things have really changed. But everyone's really quick to point out like, oh, we don't own it anymore, or we didn't own it then, or whatever it is. Um, the company, once the largest uh, nation's largest operator of psychiatric hospitals and treatment center, would own the school for the next 14 years. So Charter Behavioral Health Systems was who owned it when Paris Hilton was there. Um, in 1989, Jeremy Whiteley was enrolled. He was 15 at the time, a self-described normal teenager from Washington who was going through a rebellious cycle. His parents and therapists asked him if he'd like to try a boarding school, a place in Utah where he could hike and ski and be outdoors. I went willingly, he recalled. My dad took me. And basically after I said goodbye, that's when the nightmare started. It wasn't at all what it was described to me. Instead of playing basketball or going swimming in the pool, Whiteley said that he was taken to a room and strip searched. He remembers watching his classmates held down by staff or being injected with a sedative, which I can only think of like very, very specific in really few circumstances where it would be okay to sedate someone like that. Um, He moved quickly through the levels of the program, but was knocked back down again. when He tried to run away during an approved visit to a family reunion in New Hampshire. His punishment involved standing up against a wall for hours on end for several weeks. Whiteley said he was prescribed so much medication he felt like a zombie. Yeah, there's no 
okay, I understand a punishment for something that helps you like learn about yourself or grow or something like that. Standing up against a wall for hours on end does not do anything for that's you. Just like torture. I don't that's abuse. Yeah. Like that's literally it's it's punishment for punishment's sake it is not what these schools are supposed to be for. Um yeah, he says now the prison uh, the program, sorry, the program was a complete failure for me. It was basically almost two years of prison. Ugh. Um yeah. So um yeah so I'm not sure like how they justify that kind of punishment, having someone just stand up against a wall and not be allowed to move. But there's no justification for it. No, there's not. Yeah. Uh, in 1999, Provo Canyon's parent company um, was under intense scrutiny, facing allegations of Medicaid fraud, because that's right. Medicaid is funding a lot of these students um, and media reports of inappropriate treatment and inadequate care. Uh Charter Behavioral Health Systems filed for bankruptcy in 2000 and several months later sold a dozen properties, including Provo Canyon, to Universal Health Services. Um, so that's important because Universal Health Services, who owns them now, basically are saying like, oh, well, all that stuff that Paris Hilton's talking about, that happened before we owned it. So it, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but there's plenty of stuff that's happened after the fact. Um, the allegations of abuse and mistreatment have not stopped in the two decades since UHS has owned Provo Canyon School. Uh, six women who went there between 2003 and 2017 told the Tribune, um, the Salt Lake City Tribune, um, similar stories of being over-medicated, restrained, and punished for minor infractions uh, while at the girls' campuses in Springville and Orem. Uh, Kayla Smith was eight years old when her parents, in coordination with the California School District, sent her to Utah in 2010. She's 19 now, but feels, still feels attention in her chest as she talks about her time there. <sighs> Sorry. <Sometimes, laughs> He's like, just don't have kids if you don't want to raise them. But, yeah. Like, yeah. These, so these, uh, the, the reason that I'm using like specific quotes and stories from people instead of statistics are because I think that they're more impactful. Um, but they are pretty hard to read sometimes. Um, also, like, why would a bunch of people make this up? Yeah. From all over. And, and, it's, why? and, and also, if they're making it up, they're making up the same thing over and over. Why would they like, all the, coordinate the same lie? Yeah. Um, so oh. Smith recalled being strip searched and touched by staff, an experience that was foggy to her because she had been medicated before she came. She was homesick her first night. Remember, she's eight years old. She was homesick her first night and staff put her in an isolation room and locked her inside, which is against Utah regulatory rules, which says that timeout rooms cannot be locked. Smith said she was frequently given shots to make her go to sleep, something that happened if she cried while the staff members held her down. Um, staff members are allowed to physically restrain students at youth treatment facilities in Utah, but the state does have rules. Staffers are not supposed to use force as punishment, which it seems like they were doing, um, only putting their hands on a young person if he or she presents imminent danger to self or others. The rules are similar for chemical restraints. Um, but Kyra Lewis, who went to Provo Canyon School from Alaska in 2003, said physical restraints happened all the time when she was there. Injections were common as well. Uh, Lewis said she was held down by a staff member who slammed her to the ground as she tried to climb a fence to run away. Her experience there has caused lasting trauma. 
Um, for their part, some of the staff members of some of these places have left uh, and they cite things like a lack of resources, lack of specialized training, understaffing, that kind of stuff. Um, not going to spend a whole lot of time on them, though, because it's not their story. Like, this is the story right. of the people who have survived the abuse. Um, and I think survived is an operative word there because trauma can lead to suicide. And for some of these, for some of these kids, it has. Um, that's yeah. some of the stories that are being told. Um, so here's where it stands now. Uh, Adam McLean, the CEO of Provo Canyon School, would not address individual allegations because of privacy laws. He did previously issue a statement in response to the Tribune's investigations into the school. He noted that mental health treatment has evolved over the past 20 years from a behaviors-based foundation to a personalized trauma-informed approach. Um, I would argue that the trauma-informed approach existed longer before yeah. the time period he's talking about. So, yeah. We discovered yeah. PTSD because of uh, Vietnam war vets. Yeah. So we knew about ways to make you feel better from trauma before. Yeah. So this is, this is just not, it's, it's a too little, too late situation. Um, he says the facility does not use solitary confinement as a sor source of, ugh, as a form of intervention and does not use drugs or medications as a disciplinary measure. Um, this is what he's saying, but it does conflict with what the reports have said uh, from the people who were there. Um, he said that youths work, uh, they work with have complex needs and often are a danger to themselves or others. Uh, we are concerned, this is a quote, um, we are concerned that the current media coverage may increase the stigma around seeking help for behavioral health concerns. He said, this would be a disservice if it leads people away from seeking necessary care and increases the stigma around mental health providers, organizations, and advocates and members of the public who have worked so hard and made so much progress over the years to break. So... Uh, the school put a statement on its website noting that current owners have been in charge since August 2000 and therefore cannot comment on the operations or patient experience prior to that time. Mm -hmm. um, that said, there have still been allegations from the time that they have owned it since 2000. Um, and as for what, uh, what was his name? As for what Adam McLean said about the current uh, media coverage increasing stigma for people who need to seek help. I don't think that that's a reasonable argument to make because they're not saying you shouldn't get help. They're saying they need like help with the trauma that they received after going to this school. Like, I don't think these people would say, Oh, you shouldn't get therapy. Oh, you shouldn't get help if you have issues what they're saying is this is not how people should be helped. This is about reform. It's not about. Yeah. It's, this help. is also about parents sending their kids away for being kids. It sounds like, like not really doing anything that yeah. horrible, just being kids. And they're like, we're going to send you away and have you fixed. And that's not how kids yeah. work. That's not how. I mean, the, the reason. The reason that Paris Hilton was sent there was because she was sneaking out and going to parties and clubs and stuff. But at least in her situation, they had the resources to like put guards around to stop her from going out if they wanted to. Right. But they or didn't do that. Send her to boarding school. Not great. Yeah. But like an actual not... school. Yeah. But she wasn't in school for that. Yeah. 
That's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much all fucked up. Um, as it stands, I believe that SB 127, I think that was what it was called, yeah, SB 127, um, which is the measure in Utah to uh, prevent certain forms of punishment and to sort of create more transparency um, is the only legislation that's been put into place, but protesters and lawmakers don't want it to end there. Um, their ultimate goals are to push through more reforms, not just in Utah, but at a federal level to stop kids from being abused in places that were allegedly set up to help them. Um, protesters also feel that certain schools, such as Provo Canyon, have proved that they are not trustworthy and should be shut down entirely. And she started or was part of an advocacy campaign to end it, right? Paris yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's, uh, yeah, she's led protests and she started petitions in order to uh, get people to know about this kind of stuff um, and to care about it and to get more of these reforms pushed along because public opinion seems to be one of the bigger drivers in this situation um, to get, to get change to actually happen. And um, unfortunately our country loves celebrity. And so celebrity is often the easiest way to get this kind of stuff done. And uh, ultimately the reason that she's speaking out on it now is to stop more people from getting hurt. Um, and that's why a lot of other people are doing that as well. Did you um, tell me you knew somebody who went to one of these camps? No. Oh, no. Okay. That would, no, he went to, he was, he went to um, be right. Okay. Brigham Young. Yeah. But <laughs> on, on another, like a similar note is it's a shame that things like this, obvi- like for many reasons are coming out in this and, camps and programs like this because there are a lot of really amazing programs throughout the country on the same note whereas like like as a kid um there's a specific one in in the mountains of minnesota where it's for children who are either on the spectrum or adhd things like that and you spend like i did it two summers in a row and um they don't berate you or do anything like that. They teach you like, okay, this is how we can set up your day to have you be most effective and like be able to channel your energy into the things that you need. So like we'd wake up and we would do an active activity. Like we'd go canoeing or we'd go fishing. And then we would go into the library and we would read as long as we could. And then as soon as we couldn't read anymore, we would go rock, like rock hunting or whatever. And then they'd be like, this is how you can set up, set up. And I was like between eight and 10 at the time. And like the formative like years of developing your brain and everything. And it really, really helped to like be able to say like, okay, I'm not like, this isn't like, yes, it's a problem, but like there are ways that I can fix this. And that's not how these, like, like the Provo Canyon school, like that's not, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that's at all how the, it's just like, you are wrong. This is not how you're supposed to be. You are faulty. You're deviant. Yeah. yeah. And there are, and are they're like locking you away and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how jealous Griffin and I were when we heard that you could go to ADHD camp as a kid? <laughs> and that was just not a thing that we w- knew about or like knew that would be beneficial to us. He was like, you can't believe her. She went to ADHD camp as a kid. And I was like, oh man. I want to go to ADHD camp now. I want to go now too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that sounds like it's an actual helpful thing. And that's like, it, it does. It's really frustrating that schools 
that are so abusive are giving kind of like it you know that are lumped in because we don't want them to give all the other schools that are actually doing good things a bad name Mm -hmm. um so yeah and then so hopefully hopefully the reforms can can cause meaningful change for these kids lives and actually allow them to be um rehabilitated if that's what they need you know if if there's you know if they're doing criminal behavior like send them somewhere where they can actually you know learn about okay why am i doing this what's going on instead of just you know you're horrible you need to change so on the on the subject of things you can do with a social work degree is like probably dismantling this kind of stuff in like a macro sense like if if there's macro social workers who watch that documentary like there are people who could have positive change on this uh or negative change because we're taking it away instead of adding it to the situation. Yeah. So. Anyway. All right. Well, that's, that's my, that's where my notes end. So that's unfortunately, uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately it doesn't like, I feel like the last few that I've done are kind of like this where it's like, it just doesn't end on like a, you know, but then this thing happened, you know, it's like, there's well, been one piece of legislation that's been really good and it's a win but there's still a long way to go. Paris Hilton is, looks like she's doing better now that the she's engaged out. now. She is engaged, which isn't an accomplishment, but, uh, for but it's nice for her traumatized people. It's a, it's a nice <laughs> for anybody. It's a nice thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has lots of advocacy work and like things for you to follow on Instagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think very clearly shout out for this week is Paris Hilton. Yeah, as per usual, and, and and all of the other people who are part of the the group, Paris Hilton for spearheading it. But if it was just her, it would it would be less of an impact. But having a famous person with a bunch of other people behind her saying this happened to me too, and all that, I think is really really meaningful. So, ending on somewhat of a lighter note, but uh, we showed Tia Bo Burnham last night, <laughs> so she saw Make Happy I've- and Inside. I, I I did watch Inside recently, so I, I I do like that. I've realized that there's a lot of TikTok sounds that are actually Bo Burnham. Yes, <laughs> that is a scarecrow. Yep. <laughs> yes, I love Make Happy, and that music isn't on Spotify, which makes me very sad. So, Tia, anything you want to shout out or talk about or just mention real quick? I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Oh, can I? I also want to have another shout out to Jojo Siwa on Dancing with the Stars. Oh She's yeah, same sex partner dancing situation. I, I love Jojo. <laughs> yeah, she's yes. What an icon! Agreed. <laughs> she's yes. <laughs> I just so many sparkles, so many bows. Sounds like she smokes a pack a day. She's so gay. I love her so much. Like there's she you there's no box to put her in because she's no. just all over the place. I remember seeing on TikTok like her video that she posted coming out, and it was super like not ob- like it, it was obvious, but it right. wasn't like verbally obvious. Right. And all the comments were flooded with like the most positive comments yes. ever, and I was like, yes, because yes. she's the queen of the Gen Z. Yeah. <laughs> I just love her so much. <laughs> Sorry, Chris is distracting me. <laughs> What's he doing? Oh, he's just dancing around like he does. Chris, there's no boys allowed. 
<laughs> just kidding. We're inclusive, except for husbands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are definitely digressing quite a bit. So it's I just I don't want to end on a bad note because that was heavy, heavy stuff. That was heavy stuff. Um, I mean, I guess the the upswing to Anon is that uh, people are fighting to make sure that this stuff stops in these schools and that they are getting a lot more scrutiny. And it's yeah. it becomes a lot harder to abuse people if you are under a lot of scrutiny. So hopefully yeah. that will help. Well, I, I don't know if our listeners care about this, but you might, but I'm doing my first client simulation this week in class where I'm going to be Ooh. talking as a social worker to an actor simulation client person. So I got a sweaty week ahead of me. <laughs> I'll tell you how that goes next week. <laughs> well, this week we are going to be going to Cleveland's and taking the kitties with us. We're gonna gonna drag them on up and uh, drive them to Cleveland, and then we'll be there for the next six weeks or so. That, that is that is. And my good... internet connection is unstable, apparently. Okay, well, that is a good note to end on because Niagara <laughs> is finally on the move again after two years. So very exciting time for Niagara. Okay. All right. Well, I am Rosie, and facts matter. I'm Hope, and now that you know better, be better. I'm Tia, and thank you for having me here. (laughs) Tia, Tia!